Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, what a great passage. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together today? Paul is, is writing this, or as I often say, God is writing this to the, through the hand of Paul as he speaks to the church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, and he speaks to First Baptist Church in Azel in the 21st century. He says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds through your spirit to understand what you just shared with us. The power of these words and how we are to live our life in response this week and even today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We continue with our series entitled Ephesians, Our Identity and Purpose. And today's message is entitled Strength to Stand. Strength to Stand. I knew that Brother Benny was going to be sharing his testimony this morning. And so I split my time with him, and this is going to be a brief introduction to what we're going to talk about in the next two weeks following uh, about our spiritual armor. But I want to introduce that today. Have you ever been in a fight? I don't mean an argument. I mean a fight. Fists doubled up, arms swinging, tempers flaring. I grew up one of five redheaded children two brothers and two sisters, and there was a lot of fights, altercations. Ever done that? I don't recommend it, but if you have siblings, you probably have been. If you have children, you probably witness it all the time. Have you ever been in a fight? I have a brother that's a year older than me, and we got in a fight once there in the house, and he he's always been bigger. He's bigger to this day, but... Um, uh, that didn't stop me and my, my foolish young self from getting in disagreements with him. And so we got in a big fight. <clears throat> we did our, I did my best. It didn't last long. My little arms were this big around, you know, they're the, the not much bigger than that now. But they were, I was a tiny little kid. And uh, so I wore out pretty quick, and, and we were there in the house, and so it was time to run. That's what you do. Um, and uh, he was more of an Esau. I was more of a Jacob kind of guy, you know. So I took off running. Now, in my house, our little house was a 900-square-foot house. There wasn't a whole lot of area to, room, or to run in. But our living room was connected to the boys' bedroom, which was a converted single-car garage that me and my two brothers lived in. And uh, as you go into the, the boys' bedroom, there's a, a back door to the bedroom that goes into the laundry room. The laundry room has a door then that goes into the kitchen, and the kitchen has a, a doorway that goes into the living room. And so just round and round it goes. And so I started running through the house, and he started running through the house like a couple of rats in a maze. And so I ran as fast as I could, as far as I could, as long as I could. And then when I ran out of energy, he caught me, and then he proceeded to beat upon me and punch me in the face until he was worn out and couldn't beat on me anymore, bless his heart. <laughs> Have you ever been in a fight? 
Well, Paul informs us today about a much bigger fight, a galactic battle, a spiritual war. The tactics are brutal, the casualty count is high, and there is nowhere to run. In the midst of this fight, Paul tells us several important things that we need to do as the fight commences. And we need to look at that today. First, we should fight the bad guy. I'm just using simple language. We should fight the bad guy. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 12. Here's what he says. Finally. Uh, oh, well, let me start in verse 10. <clears throat> I'm going to back up a little bit. Finally. That word finally means this. Paul has been dealing with all kinds of issues and challenges and all, all level of teachings with the Ephesian church as you and I have looked at in recent months. And he's come to the big lesson. And he understands they're not ready for the big lesson until they deal with these uh, initial issues in the book of Ephesians. And so when he says finally, he's building upon his arguments, upon his teachings. It's like uh, if you ever take algebra, I don't recommend it, but if you take algebra, you don't want the last lesson from the last week of the semester on your first day. Or to put it this way, if you sleep through the first five weeks and then you come in in week number six, you're not going to have any idea what's coming, going, on, going on. You don't know what's going to happen. And so Paul has taught them and taught them and taught them, and you and I, and he comes to this point and he says, finally, here's the big lesson. And it is the big lesson. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he tells us what that means. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he tells us what that means. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In nearly every book that you read that's fiction, and nearly every movie that you see, there is a, a villain. There is an enemy. There is a bad guy. You know them. They're awful. Darth Vader, the Wicked Witch of the West, Dracula, General Zod, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Hannibal Lecter. You know, they're the bad guys. I prefer watching movies like Star Wars with Sith Lords or superhero movies like the Avengers with bad guys like Thanos. The villains in these movies are always easy to spot. They're ugly. Sometimes they're purple. <laughs> they wear mean-looking outfits. They're always all scarred up, and they look like a bad guy. They're imposing and evil-looking. They have glowing red eyes or a demented-looking helmet or an outfit, and ominous, scary music starts playing every time they come into the scene. And you know, oh, here comes Darth Vader. I remember hiding watching Jaws for the first time because every time that shark came into the scene, they played that music. Dum, 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 dum. And you knew, oh, somebody's going to get it. You know, you, you got that musical score. It starts slow and then it builds and it builds for a reason. Somebody's about to die. And it was terrifying for a kid in junior high at least. Now I watch that movie, I think, that's so fake. <laughs> How could I not notice those rubber teeth uh, before? 
But we like that. We like the ideal of a clear and obvious bad guy in the story. But sometimes the bad guy is not who you think it is in the movies. The authors and the script writers disguise the bad guy as one of the good guys. They do that a lot, by the way. All through the movie, you grow to like this person. You, know, you connect with them. And you trust them just like all the other characters do in the movie. And then they let you know, the, the script writers and the producers, they let you know at some point in the movie, ah, oh, this is the bad guy. You get to see a private conversation they have with somebody where they're going to betray the good guys or they're setting up the good guys. And you go, oh, that's the bad guy. They always let you know before they let the other characters know. So you're sitting there and you're wanting to yell out, bad guy, run! Because they don't know yet. So it's interesting how we like to see that visual concreteness. There's a bad guy, but sometimes the bad guy's right in front of us and we don't see him or her. Judas was that kind of person. He was the bad guy. He studied with, under Jesus and with the, the other disciples for three years and they had no idea. Even to the very end, Jesus is having one last supper with his disciples, only hours before his arrest. And he finally tells the disciples, point blank, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all stunned. They have no idea how, who it was. How could they not know? I don't know, but they had no clue. He gave them a little hint about who it was going to be. Finally, he turned to Judas and he says, what are you going to do? <clears throat> you need to do it quickly. Judas gets up and walks out and they have no idea still what's going on. He was a bad guy posing as a good guy. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul tells us that Satan is that way. He himself, in, in 2 Corinthians, masquerades as an angel of light, Paul says. He appears to be a good guy, even though he is the enemy. Can you identify the bad guy in your life? And you, just be, just be honest. I mean, this is rhetorical. Don't yell out. <laughs> but just be honest. If you're sitting there thinking, yeah, my, my neighbor is a jerk. Or my boss is awful. It's the most evil person I've ever met. Or that coworker or that classmate or that teacher or that student. And you think, I know who the bad guy is. You know, you can watch them on TV, on the news, this person who commits heinous crimes. Or maybe it's people with polit political leanings that you disagree with. Or maybe it's a, a group of terrorists in another, another country that want to kill us. And you go, oh, that's a bad guy. Or it's an entire nation that is uh, desiring our demise. That's the bad guy. Well, Paul tells us, no, actually, that's not the bad guy. Those are all pawns. You're a bad neighbor. Your classmate, your boss, uh, that person who cuts you off in traffic, that, the, the, the people who yell and spew hatred towards you or about you, those that you see on the news and that commit terrible crimes, these people are all pawns of the bad guy. And here Paul is trying to remind us, you need to know who the bad guy is because this is what Satan wants to, to do. He wants to confuse you and me into thinking somebody else other than him is the bad guy. Because we're fighting the wrong person 
We're fighting the wrong fight and we're going to lose. Satan will always defeat those who thinks the bad guy is somewhere else. Can you identify the bad guy in your life? If Satan can get us to fight the wrong enemy, he'll win every time. Do you know what Satan's ambition is in your life? Do you know what his, his, his goal is, what his objective is in your life? He doesn't just wish you a bad time. He doesn't just want to slow you down. He wants to burn it to the ground. He wants to take your life, this world, God's kingdom, and just burn it to the ground. That's his desire. And that's what evil does when people give in to evil. I don't know what Judas thought he was going to do. But the Bible says that Satan entered into him. And there was no winning. He just wanted to destroy all that Jesus had done. When those terrorists were on those planes that flew into the Twin Towers on September the 11th, they weren't trying to figure out a way where they would come out on top. They knew they were going to die and they were okay with that. There was no strategy. They, they weren't military targets there in those towers. They were just American citizens, men, women, children, Christians, even Muslims were in there. They didn't care. They just wanted to burn it all to the ground because that's what evil does. And that is Satan, and he wants to do that for you and to you in your life. He wants to do that to this church, to this nation, and to this world. Jesus tells us this very thing in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says it this way. These are the words of Christ. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. He says, I desire to, 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 to give you true life. And, and not just that you can have life, but you can have the best life possible, eternal life. Jesus warns though, he says, but Satan, the thief, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Satan has but one desire for all God's creation, including you and me in our church, to burn it all to the ground. So Peter tells us to be alert, know who the enemy is. Secondly, he tells us not only to recognize the bad guy, he tells us to fight in the right place. You need to fight in the right place. Where do we fight? Well, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 12, we go back there again, about halfway down in verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? The rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. That's who our enemy is. It's Satan and his demons, these spiritual forces of evil. And then he says something spectacularly bizarre to us. Where are these spiritual forces of evil? They are in where? Now, you would think he would say, I mean, just logically, if I would have you finish the sentence, we would say uh, the spiritual forces of evil who are in the depths of hell. But that's not what he says. See, they haven't been cast into hell yet. That happens at the end. You can read Revelation about that. But here he says, the, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is, spiritual beings whether good or evil, or in a spiritual realm. And so that's what he's talking about here. They're in the spiritual realm. That's where they are. Now, it's an interesting realm, by the way. 
the spiritual realm. Whatever that is and wherever it is, listen to what he says. It's used throughout the book of Ephesians. I don't know if you've caught that reading through Ephesians, but in chapter 1, verse 3, for example, he talks about our blessings in the spiritual realms or from the spiritual realm. In Ephesians 1, 3, he says, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the where? In the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Also, Christ himself, in chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us that Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. There are also angelic hosts there in chapter 3, verse 10. It refers to rulers and authorities. God's angels are in the heavenly realms. So a lot is going on in the heavenly realms. You have God and the angels and all the, the good forces, and then you have all of these spiritual dark forces in the heavenly realms, this huge spiritual battle that's taking place. And you may say to yourself, well, thank goodness I'm not there. I don't want to be there. I'm glad I'm here. Well, I've got news for you. <laughs> if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this. Paul says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. Where? In the heavenly realms, right in the middle of it. My goodness. So it's not like a movie we're going to watch, this big battle unfold. We're right in the middle of the fight. That's where the battle is. You don't need to know how to get there. If you're a believer in Christ, you're already there in the spiritual realm. And then the last thing I want you to know today as we get into this study is that we need to fight at the right time. Timing is really important. We need to fight at the right time. I don't have this up there for you, but you can look there with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Listen to what he says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So he just said this, this passage up through verse 12. We have already read here in verse 13. Therefore, because of those things, he says, that I've just said, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes... You may be able to take your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So when is it? When's the battle? When the day of evil comes. Now, whenever that is, next week, next month, next year, in 20 years or 10,000 years, when the day of evil comes, we should take our stand. So that's when it is. And you may be saying, well, just let me know. <laughs> Let me know when the gay gets here. We'll get ready to battle. Until then, don't bother me. Well, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> the, the reality is, no matter the news, it, we're in the evil days. You, you probably don't need me to tell you that. Uh, when the day of evil comes. When is your day of evil we all have good days and bad days, days of spiritual rest and days of great temptation. We have days that we spiritually succeed and days that we spiritually lose the war, the battle. Are you ready for those days? It's here, right now. If you don't believe me, go to any news program, conservative, moderate, liberal, anywhere, online, on your television, and just spend 10 minutes reading or watching the news and you realize we're in the evil days now. This is the day of evil. It, it can't get much worse. 
it does seem to be getting worse. Now, on a personal level, you have to ask the question, what is my day? When do I need to fight? A few years ago, I may have shared with you about one of the reports I read about ISIS. Do you remember when ISIS took over much of Iraq and Syria? They took over city after city, large cities, in fact. There is a group of people in Iraq, in one of the towns in particular, who are mostly Christians. I don't know if you remember this, but there are Christian Iraqis. Iraq is a very ancient place. It was one of the places where the early church flourished. And so there are ancient Christian shrines there in Iraq, or there were, they're all destroyed pretty much now, but ISIS went in to where these Christians were living and they tried to convert them by force. I don't know if you remember the news story, it didn't make a lot of the news, but what they did on those terrible days, they rounded up the Christians, told them that they were gonna give them an opportunity to renounce their faith in Christ and embrace Muhammad and Islam. And that if they didn't do that, they were going to execute them on the spot. They weren't bluffing. They would ask him one at a time, will you renounce Christ? Will you embrace Muhammad and the teachings of Islam? And they would say, no, I will not renounce Christ. And they would execute them or did execute them immediately. Then they would go to the next person or the next family. Will you renounce your faith in Christ and embrace Islam and Muhammad? And they would say, no, I refuse. And they would execute them immediately. And down the line they went. They finally got to one person who was terrified a believer in Christ, a professing Christian. And in their moment of fear, when they were asked, seeing all those others that had died, will you renounce your faith in Christ and embrace Islam? They said, yes, I'll do it. And they murdered them anyway. That's extraordinary. But again, that's what evil does. Evil only knows how to kill and destroy. Satan wants to burn it all down. I do think about that person. I remember Peter who denied Christ three times in a moment of fear on the night of the rest of Jesus during his trials. And I believe for that person, his soul was not one in Iraq, it was one on the cross. And there is forgiveness. And you don't have to face probably a gun being pointed at your face today And ask the question, will you renounce your faith in Jesus Christ? But Satan hits us where we are the weakest. Listen to me. He's going to confront you this day, maybe this very hour, and certainly this week with the opportunity to renounce your faith, renounce your faith, renounce your faith every time he tempts you to give in to hatred. Every time he tempts you to give in to that addiction. Every time he tempts you to lose your temper. And to say things that God's people should never say and to think thoughts we should never think. Satan is attacking you from the heavenly realms, trying to get you and I to, to, to not understand who we are and the fact that we have the armor of God at our disposal. Now, I'm not going to talk about the armor today. We'll get that into the weeks to come. But I'm telling you, with this armor, Satan will lose every time. He has no chance against you and me. If we put on the armor of God, are you ready for the battle? Do you know who the bad guy is? Do you know what time the battle begins? Pray with me.
Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge that there is a galactic battle taking place. And it's not against flesh and blood. Oh, it looks like it is. There are people on TV that just make our blood boil. We hate everything about them. And the things that they say, the way that they act, they're awful. We see criminals that just slaughter children and commit atrocities and we think, ah, that's the enemy. And we fail to realize the enemy is far more evil, far more deceptive, masquerading as an angel of light. Help us to recognize who the enemy really is, that there are dark forces, principalities, evil, pure evil, that is slaughtering this world spiritually one person at a time, one life at a time, one heart at a time. Father, help us to realize that we are either slaves for Christ in this battle, in this war. We are either slaves for Christ or we are pawns of Satan. We are to be used by him however he wants. And that's what most people in this dark world are, are doing. That's how they're living right now as pawns of Satan. They don't even know it. They've been blinded. And Father, it is Satan's desire to blind us as your people. To follow him thinking he's an angel of light. Trying to see good and evil and good and bad where it is not there. Help us to remember who we are fighting. It isn't our neighbor. It is the forces of evil. It is not our boss or that difficult family member. It is the forces of evil. It is not a political party. It is the forces of evil in this world. It's not an evil country. It is evil in Satan. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize we are in the midst of a battle. If we're believers in Christ, we, we have been placed by Christ in the heavenly realms, in the midst of all of it. May we look to him today. As you're praying, no one's looking around. What battle are you fighting today? Because I promise you right now, Satan is attacking you. Wherever he can, he knows your weaknesses. He knows your weaknesses. Listen to me, young people. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to attack you. He's very clever. And he will find your weakest point for all of us. And he will attack us and attack us and attack us. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I call you to say to Satan, stop. In the name of Christ, stop. Now, I've got bad news for you. If you're not a believer in Christ, you have no defense. You're a pawn of Satan. You don't, may not believe that. You may not like that. But you have no Holy Spirit in your life to protect you. You have no armor, spiritual armor. This armor that God gives in Ephesians chapter 6, it's for believers. And so I challenge you right now, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do that because you have no chance of winning this spiritual battle apart from Christ. I challenge you to come down and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I need this armor. I'm ready to fight. And that's all you need to do. Come down and say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Christ. And I'll talk with you and pray with you. It may be you want to come down and pray, God, give me this armor. Give me the strength this week to fight my battles.
or maybe somebody that's close to you, somebody you know that's fighting a battle, and you want to come and kneel and pray for them and say, God, give them the strength. You be a prayer warrior for them. If God is leading you to make a decision or you just want to come and join the church and say, we want to fight the forces of evil in this church, in this place, just come down and say, Pastor, we'd like to join. If God is speaking, I want you to know this invitation, this opportunity is for you right here, right now. No one's looking around. As you continue to pray, would you stand? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. And as you pray right now, this invitation is for you. You come.